are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy, I guess, second day of the week with no Wolves games till Saturday. Um, so we're going to talk about kind of a random smattering of things all week, just kind of dig into some different Wolves talking points and angles. Today, we're going to start again, as we did yesterday on Monday, with a smattering of Wolves notes, including um, some some comments on Josh Okoge and Team Nigeria preparing for the Olympics this summer. And there was also a nice article in the Denver Post about former Nuggets and new Timberwolves, Juancho Hernan Gomez and Malik Beasley. Then I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about Colonel Tiddy Towns' defense. It's always a hot topic, of course, was mentioned by ESPN Zach Lowe in his 10 Things I Like and Don't Like article late last week. He does each one of those, I think, weekly. Um, and Towns was one of the featured talking points. So wanted to to kind of review that a little bit and talk about what, what Lowe's comments are. Before we get to that, a quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T. Also, make sure if you enjoy this podcast, please give us a positive review on Apple Music, as those reviews do go a long way and help us get heard by more folks. So we definitely appreciate that. Okay, the quick note on Akogi is uh, basically there's an article on ESPN uh, by Colin Udo that was about uh, Josh Akogi being the first Nigerian player, a Nigerian presence to uh, be at the NBA All-Star Weekend. Um, it's a little weird. It doesn't mention that Akogi was also involved last year on All-Star Weekend um, because he was. He played in the Rising Stars Challenge last year, but this article does not acknowledge that. It just talks about... Uh, basically him being the first Nigerian president since Hakeem Olajuwon and Hakeem Olajuwon wasn't, um, I, I guess the article calls it a little bit more of a stretch, um, due to, uh, he was, Olajuwon was technically an American representing the USA, not even representing Nigeria. Whereas Akogi's actually played for team Nigeria previously. Um, he was actually born in Nigeria. I, he went to high school in, uh, in Georgia um, and moved to the U.S. when he was three, but he was born in Nigeria and spent three years of his life there, so obviously a Nigerian. Um, and so really cool to see him participate. Basically, the article, it also talks through, and I had missed this, but Cleveland Cav- Cavaliers' um, former head coach, Mike Brown, um, who's still an assistant in the league, is going to be the head coach of the Nigerian national team this summer for the Olympics. Makogi um, played a big role in the World Cup with the team, but the team was a little bit disappointing last year. So it'd be fun to see Akogi playing in the Olympics. Not sure what other Timberwolves players will necessarily be participating, um, but uh, but Akogi for sure will be playing for Team Nigeria, so that'll be a lot of fun um, to, to keep an eye on. So that's a cool article. Go over to ESPN. Check that out, um, as Akogi is, in, in a lot of ways, a trailblazer in, in this case. Um, the other note I wanted to mention off the top was... Um, was the Denver Post article about the Timberwolves' um, new players. Mike Singer of the Denver Post talked, uh, interviewed some current Nuggets players about the former Nuggets, Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, and having them having their opportunity in Minnesota. Um, I think it was maybe a little premature after each guy has played three games at this point. The team's one and two. But uh, basically the article quotes Jamal Murray, Monty Morris, talking about how... Um, how basically opportunity is super important in the NBA and that's, and they were following along at halftime of their game, you know, just seeing what was going on in the wolves game, um, knowing that Malik Beasley had, had basically his, uh, the scoring ability in him. Um, he's 
averaging um, over 22 points a game, 18.7 field goal attempts per game. If you look at his, the article doesn't mention this, but looking at some plus minuses, he's had a really successful um, time. The Wolves have been much better with him on the court in the last three games than off the court. Um, so all uh, all players on the Nuggets, it sounds like we're, we're wanting these guys to get some additional opportunity. And the article also mentions um, – you know, the Nuggets made the trade to find a little bit of flexibility, gain an, a first-round pick along the way, know that they didn't need to extend uh, Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who are, who they felt were going to get overpaid for their roles in Denver this summer, so at least they picked up an asset, which, when you position it that way, it definitely makes a little bit of sense. Um, I had not realized this, but I saw after the trade, um, and I don't think I mentioned it on this podcast, that the Nuggets did offer Malik Beasley a three-year, $30 million extension prior to the season that he turned down, which made a lot of sense. Um, at $10 bucks a year for the next three years, Malik Beasley would be a bargain and a really good role player that would have made a lot of sense. I mean, that's less than Robert Covington's getting paid. There's still more upside than Covington and the defense isn't there, but they're um, that type of a, you know, when, when you put it that way, that contract made a lot of sense for Denver. It also was gutsy for Beasley to, to assume he could get more than that. It's not clear to me that he would have in restricted free agency, given what he's done so far this year for Denver, because his role did diminish a little bit. I don't know that he would have gotten much more than that in the open market, but with the opportunities he's going to get in Minnesota, if he stays healthy the past, the next couple months, the last couple months of the season, I think Beasley's going to get paid a lot more than that. And, um, and, and I mean, there's a, really good chance the Wolves are going to match whatever that offer is. Obviously, there's a lot of basketball for him to be played um, in Minnesota before we come to that determination. But all that to say, I think betting on himself was probably pretty smart in this instance. Um, but also good to see his former teammates happy for him. It also says a lot about Beasley as a teammate that um, that everybody is willing to go out there and say that they're glad he got his opportunity. All right, before we move on and talk about Carl Anthony Towns, I did want to mention our new friends at Theragun. Whether you're an elite athlete or just a regular person trying to get through the day, muscle pain and muscle tension is a real thing. That's why many professional sports teams and everyday people alike use Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power. Theragun products are used by over 250 professional sports teams worldwide, physical therapists, trainers, chiropractors, celebrities, athletes, and everyday people in over 40 countries. Perfectly weighted and ergonomically sound, Theragun's unique multi-grip design is designed to maximize ease, comfort, and usability with zero stress or pressure on forearms, hands, and wrists, whether you're treating yourself or others. Feel better naturally, treat your pain, and get back to your life. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash locked on. For a limited time, my listeners to this podcast get a free charging stand with purchase. That's a $79 value. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Listeners to Lockdown Wolves will get a free charging stand with purchase, a $79 value. Again, that's theragun.com. Theragun, T H E R A G U N dot com slash locked on. Okay, I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about Carl Anthony Towns and his defense. Um, this is mostly spurred on, at least to talk about now. Um, because of Zach Lowe's article that he posted, I guess it went up on Friday. So just prior to the to the All Star break, um, he does this article every week. Ten things I like and don't like, um, and he lists 
he basically calls out 10 things league-wide. There hasn't been a lot about Minnesota recently, and that's that makes sense because of how bad they've been. Um, but he did his, – his second point in Friday's article was called, it's time for Minnesota's tentpole duo to bring it on defense. And so uh, Lowe goes on to say, great offense could take you a long ways. You can win 50 games, et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't have a good defense, you're not going anywhere serious. He mentions, this is mostly about Towns, he mentions D'Angelo Russell as a, quote, traffic cone and magnet for screens. Um, talks about how he's not going to be a great point guard defender, uh, but basically he can he can get better effort, fight through screens better, um, et cetera, which is true. And and I haven't seen enough of D'Angelo Russell yet as a on the Timberwolves to have a good sense for where he needs to improve, but that all makes sense. He's, he's, not, he's not a super explosive athlete, um, but but you can be an okay defender without being a great athlete. I mean, look at guys like like even Tyus Jones, who's smaller than D'Angelo Russell. Tyus Jones isn't a great athlete, but he's a good defender because of his anticipation and also he plays hard. Um, and you know, there's there's plenty of other examples of that. But for Wolves fans, that's a that's a really good one. Um and even a guy like Shabazz Napier actually is not a bad comp on defense. Napier is a, a pretty good point guard defender. He's okay. He's certainly better than Russell. And that's simply because of effort and know-how. And, and Russell's still not quite 24 years old. So there's certainly a little bit of improvement to be had there, just in terms of experience, understanding, positioning, et cetera. Hopefully working with David Vanterpool on a regular basis is going to help him a lot. Uh, but but if these guys understand just how important playing defense is going to be to this team, I mean, Lowe's right. I mean, he says he he says you can win 50 games by having awesome offense and just OK defense. Um, and, and that's certainly true. At that point, that sounds really nice. The Wolves haven't won 50 games since Kevin Garnett was around um, the first time, of course. Uh, but that said, if, if the Wolves want to be taken seriously, if they want that duo to be taken seriously, then they both need to show that they're willing to compete on defense because that is probably more than half the battle um, is, is just playing hard consistently. Uh, but the, this portion of this article is more about towns. So Lowe goes on to say, and this is a direct quote uh, from the article, quote, Towns has been all over the map. He has had extended stretches of average defense, fits of legitimate effectiveness, and long fallow periods. He can appear strangely laden considering how he glides on offense. His effort and timing come and go. He can still get overeager chasing blocks, exposing the glass. In some seasons, this one's included. He's been a drag on Minnesota's transition defense. In others, he's been fine. Um, and then, end quote, there's a couple of, a, of videos showing his late rotations. We've talked about that on this podcast where Towns will go through these periods of time where he's active on defense. He's just, just a beat late rotating to the rim. And um, sometimes he does the thing where he kind of like half-heartedly tries to block the shot after it's really already passed him and and it's just kind of a hey I was here and I tried type of a thing is exactly what it feels like just to show he's in your frame and he's he's kind of trying to swap the shot but it's because he's a beat late rotating um I know Wolves fans if you watch the Kevin Love era Kevin Love would sometimes avoid contesting a shot simply so he could be in better rebounding position which sometimes worked because Offensive players are expecting somebody to contest the shot, and it would kind of spook them that nobody was there, and then Love would also get the rebound uh, because he was a phenomenal rebounder. With Towns, it's not because he's necessarily trying to pad rebounding numbers. It's just that he's either not aware or he's not putting forth the effort to rotate quick enough, which is just as big of an issue, if not worse, uh, because then he's not only is he not blocking the shot, he's also not in rebounding position because he's he's selling out for a block that he's never going to get. And now suddenly his guy's open for the rebound. The original guy that shot the ball didn't have a contested shot and is probably going to make it. And if he doesn't, he's probably open for the rebound, too. Um, so it's kind of the worst of all worlds when Towns does that. 
Lowe also mentions that Towns ranks last among centers in ESPN's defensive real plus minus, which we've talked about a lot on this podcast. That stat is one that shows, like, for instance, Robert Covington is is usually one of the best two or three guys in the entire league, regardless of position in that stat. And it's a pretty good measure. If you're going to boil down individual defense to one number, that's a really good one to look at. Obviously, it's not the end-all, be-all, but it's a pretty good microcosm. If you look at some of those names, um, you get a pretty good sense. I mean, it makes sense. It lines up with who the eye test tells you is really good, but there's some surprises. And and I don't know that anybody would say Towns is the worst defensive center in the league, but that's what this, this number suggests. Lowe goes on to point out, and this is really interesting, and, and I think this is important to underscore for at least a little bit of a silver lining here. Opponents have only made 52% of their shots in the restricted area with towns nearby per NBA.com. He doesn't have the exact uh, listing in terms of league wide. And, and I clicked the link to NBA.com and I'm not, it's not super clear. They don't have the, the, uh, the, uh, the rows numbered in this chart, but if you, but 52.1% is what opponents are shooting at the rim when towns is nearby. That's actually better than, I don't know, many other big names. I mean, Rudy Gobert's is 50.8, for instance, for instance, and he's easily seen as the best defensive center in the league. Jared Allen's is 50.4%, also really good, and everybody knows he's a good defender. Joel Embiid's is 61.6%. Of all the big names here, I mean, Nikola Jokic, obviously not a rim protector, but his is 66.3%. Towns is 52.1%. He's actually doing a pretty good job in the paint and at the rim. And low notes that it is a stingy number. It's a number that that says that he's doing a good job, um, that he's doing a good job on defense. Also, something low points out that that you can find for yourself in NBA.com. Opponents are, are also getting to the foul line less often with Townsend on the floor. So they aren't simply scoring without him fouling and they aren't just getting to the free throw line, which would then suppress the field goal percentage from the restricted area. Um, but neither is happening. They're not getting to the line as often with Towns on the floor and they're not making shots at the rim as often with Towns on the floor. So then the question is, why have opposing teams been so good offensively with Towns on the floor? The answer is three-point shots. Um, Lowe points this out, and again, you can find this on NBA.com. Minnesota's defense has been worse with Towns on the floor, mostly because opponents have hit 41% of their three-pointers when he's on the floor and only 32.7% when he rests. Lowe asked the question, how much of that is on Towns? How much is luck? That's a question that, I, you know, I'm sure Lowe's seen 10 to 15 Timberwolves games this year. I think he said at some point he tries to see um, every team, every, you know, within every couple of weeks, he watches a full game for every team or something like that. Um, so he's probably seen, what, 10 to 15 Wolves games this year. As somebody who's seen every single Wolves game this year, I feel like I have a pretty good answer to, to that question. How much of the three-point shooting percentage of opponents is on Towns and how much is luck? Um, we'll get to that here next uh, after a quick break. All right, so we're talking about opponent three-point percentage in the context of Carl Anthony Towns being on or off the floor. Opponents are making 41% of their three-point attempts with Towns on the floor and only 32.7% when he rests. And because opponents are not scoring at the rim or getting to the foul line as well with Towns on the floor as they are off, showing that Towns has actually been an okay rim protector this season, even though we've already identified he's often a beat late on rotations, etc., his presence does make a difference. The three-point percentage is the biggest reason why those numbers are so skewed. How much of that is on Towns and how much is luck? Well, I think the best answer is, is there's certainly some luck involved. It's, of course, a little bit of both. Um, there's certainly luck involved because 
a lot of times somebody's shooting a three in transition, somebody is, you know, they're rotating the ball, the ball never touches the paint at all on a possession. Um, you know, there's a pick and roll that doesn't involve Towns defensively and opposing teams are making the three. That has nothing to do with Towns in many cases and it's it's impossible to blame him for that. Um, and also it depends a little bit on, on who's on the floor, of course, on, with an on-off like this. So when Towns is on the floor, opponents are largely going to have their starters in the game which means they're largely going to have better shooters in the game versus when Towns is on the floor, teams will adjust the rotation um, to make sure that they have, you know, a lot of times teams will have their bench players on the floor when Towns is on the bench. So that matters too. I think that's important to point out. However, the, the portion of it that you can call out Towns for is one of the bigger issues that I'm sure many Wolves fans have noticed. I know we've talked about it on this podcast is that Towns, coverage in the pick and roll. So when he was asked to ice pick and rolls when Tom Thibodeau was the coach and the Wolves were were asking um, their bigs to get up on screens, Towns was always, it felt like he was a half step slower or not quite getting out as far as he needed to, unless it was a big moment or he knew eyes were on him. I mean, there's a few instances that that fans remember the Steph Curry instance from Towns maybe second year in the league when he switched on to Curry and stayed in front of him and forced him into a tough three-pointer contest of the shot that Curry missed in a clutch moment of a game. The Wolves actually won in Golden State um, and a national TV game. Towns knew everybody was watching. He was guarding Curry. It was a clip that went viral. Um, he can do that. He can move his feet. He can get up on a screen and, and guard the ball handler. But he didn't often do a good enough job with that in Tom Thibodeau's system. And I don't know... I really hate to like I I don't want to label it laziness, but I think sometimes it was like a a split second late. Oh shoot! I should I should oh well it's too late type of a thing. Um, is kind of what it seemed like. Now in the Wolves' primary pick and roll coverage with David Vanterpool coordinating the defense, primarily the Wolves are asking their bigs to kind of play drop coverage and to to be in a better position to guard the drive and allow teams to shoot longer mid-range shots, um, you know, long twos primarily. And they're asking the guard to fight through the screen and, and keep them from shooting a three. Too often the Wolves have had point guards that either were unwilling or unable to, to fight through that screen. And their bigs, primarily Towns, Gorgie Jang struggled at times with this too, would either drop too far or they would be exposed and, and be blown, you know, be blown past by the guard. Um, Usually with Towns, he's dropping a little bit too far because he's so afraid of getting beat to the basket that teams are getting wide open mid-range twos, which theoretically is, I mean, it's better than a wide open layup, right? And and so generally speaking, that's a better play. Um, however, the actually the game against D'Angelo Russell and the Warriors when Golden State came to the target center earlier this season is a good example. Russell dropped more than 40 and it seemed like almost half of them were open two-pointers from the mid-range. And... Um, Sure, mid-range shots are better to give up than open threes or shots at the rim every day of the week. However, if they're completely wide open and it's some of the, you know, Kyrie Irving or D'Angelo Russell or, um, you know, Lou Williams or some of these guards who can make mid-range shots in their sleep, that's essentially a free two points. I mean, they're going to shoot like 65, 70% on a wide open mid-range shot. Chris Paul is another one. Um and, and the Wolves have really struggled with those types of players, partly because of Towns dropping too far back in coverage. And then that also can have an effect on, on three-point shooting, too. If the guard doesn't get through the screen um, or if the guard tries to go under the screen and Towns isn't 
isn't hedging really at all, isn't at least stunting towards the three-point line, um, then those threes are going to get drained. But that also points to part of that issue is is the guard play. And Russell's probably not going to help that. As Lowe points out, Russell isn't great at getting through screens. He's not super athletic and to this point hasn't tried super hard when it comes to trying to get around screens. And so that's an issue when it comes to three-point attempts. If Towns isn't going to isn't going to show a little bit harder at the point guard on the perimeter and Russell isn't going to fight through screens, then that's going to lead to more open threes for opposing teams, ball handlers and opposing teams wings. Um, and really, you know, we saw this the other night in Toronto, the Raptors were getting, um, getting Russell switched onto the likes of Pascal Siakam one-on-one and the Wolves couldn't do anything about it. Um, if Russell doesn't help step that up, then more that that number is going to get worse and worse and worse for Towns. Um, so it's one of those, you know, it's probably what sixty to seventy percent not Towns' fault that opponents are draining threes at such a high clip with him on the floor. But there's that thirty to forty percent where Towns isn't playing the coverage the way that he needs to be. He's not getting up on say opposing big men who can shoot threes, etc. Um, and and he's so worried about getting beat to the rim that um, that occasionally that he plays into allowing some of those open threes also transition defense which low mentions that you know it, at times you know there might be a three a game or something like that where towns isn't getting back fast enough and it leads to uh you know a, a an odd man fast break for the opponent and the ball gets swung around and there's an open guy for three um that happens too often to the wolves primarily that's a that's an issue with rim runs and and towns actually guarding his guy in the paint but occasionally that can lead to to open threes as well um and towns can be held accountable somewhat to that so all that to say, you know, it's 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 certainly a mix of bad luck, um, but I think it's a little bit, um, I don't know, it's a little bit heartening to see that Towns, the Wolves are actually playing better in the paint defensively and avoiding fouling when Towns is on the floor versus off. Remember last year, Carl Anthony Towns led the league in personal fouls all season long. Um, the average, the, the total number of personal fouls, Towns had the most in the league. And he's improved that pretty significantly this year. The Wolves of a team as a team have improved defensively. We've talked about this um, pretty extensively on this podcast, but the Wolves defense has actually been better than their offense this year, and it hasn't been particularly close. To this point, the Wolves defensive rating is 17th in the league. The offense is 22nd. That gap was even wider uh, just a few games ago. The Wolves were 15th in defense, I think, just before all these trades happened and and still in the mid-20s offensively. Um, And so... Clearly that, you know, with Russell, there's going to be even more of a challenge. And Hernan Gomez is a good defender. Malik Beasley is probably a little below average at this point. The Wolves got worse defensively by losing Robert Covington and gaining D'Angelo Russell. So the Wolves are going to really need to commit to shore up that defense um, moving forward. But I think it's important to point out, as Lowe does, the Wolves have been okay with Towns on the floor defensively and certainly in the paint. And the defense hasn't actually been as bad as perhaps the narrative might have suggested to this point in the season. All right, that's all we have for you today here at Locked on Wolves. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday um, with a couple additional topics for you as we start to year up for Wolves Celtics on Saturday. Um, so we'll look forward to having you on board on Wednesday as well. Thanks once again for listening to the Locked on Wolves podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked on Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. And we will see you on Wednesday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.